Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. And we ask that your Holy Spirit, who has been here all day, will just continue to tabernacle with us. Speak to us. Draw us nearer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of the message is First Place. First Place. And uh, the scripture reading was read from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 38. And the background to this, actually, the background to this story actually begins with Jesus' encounter with a, with a rich young ruler. You remember that story, right? Who came to him and asked him uh, what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Now, if you remember the story, Jesus told him that he had to keep the commandments. And Jesus focused on the commandments that dealt with how we relate to our fellow right, human beings, right, our neighbors. Uh, specifically uh, focusing on those uh, commandments that related to our neighbors. And then the young man told Jesus that he had been keeping those commandments for all of his young life. And so Jesus eventually asked him to sell all that he had, to sell all that he had, give it to the poor and follow him, give his life to him. In other words, go all the way, go all the way. You said you've been, you, you said you've been, um, uh, 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 Loving your fellow man, okay, love him all the way. Give, him, give, give all you have to the poor. And then give your life completely to me and follow me. And you know how it goes, a young man, after realizing that, wow, you know, he had a lot of possessions, he, he realized he was not willing to give all of them up. And now this led to a discussion between Jesus and his disciples about the sacrifices that a disciple of Jesus would have to make in order to follow him. And then Peter wanted to know if he and the other 11 who had given up all to follow Jesus, Peter wanted to know what they would inherit in the earth made new, in Jesus' kingdom. And that's when Jesus made the following statement, found in a parallel account in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. And this is what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the generation, or rather in the regeneration, that is when the world is made new, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus told them that they're going to be sitting on what? Twelve what? Twelve thrones with him, judging the tribes, the twelve tribes of Israel. Then a little after that, Jesus told the twelve, a little after that, Jesus told the twelve plainly, what did I say? Plainly, what would happen to him in Jerusalem. He said, we're going to go up to Jerusalem, right? We're going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of the religious leaders. Uh, they're going to sentence me to death, right? Uh, they're going to hand me over to the Romans. The Romans are going to mock me. They're going to beat me. And then they're going to crucify me. In other words, Jesus told them that he was about to, to die. He was about to die. Then Jesus said, even though that's going to happen, in three days, I will rise up from the grave. I will live again. 
the 12 disciples, including James and John, heard all of this. And after Jesus was finished, after he was finished explaining what was going to happen to him, James and John made their move. They approached Jesus privately without the knowledge of the others. They, the, the rest of the disciples did not know what they were up to. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, verses 35 through 37, it was read before. I'll read it again for emphasis. They said, teacher, we want, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. And so James and John wanted to occupy the first two positions of rulership under Jesus in the kingdom that he was about to establish. They wanted to be above their fellow disciples. In other words, they wanted to be in first place. And this story, this story is also in the book of Matthew. It's also in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. And here's what it says there in Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 20. Here's what it says there, interestingly. Then, we're in Matthew now, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him, verse 21. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, all right. So, so, so let's bring it home, all right. So, so Matthew makes it clear that it was their mother who first approached Jesus. I don't know if it was Mother's Day weekend. I'm not sure. The Bible isn't clear. But apparently the idea of sitting on 12 thrones with Jesus got James and John's full attention. It got their full attention to the point where they went home and told it to their mother. And now the plan was not just to sit on 12 or rather two of the 12 th thrones, but to secure the top two positions in Jesus' kingdom, vice president and secretary of state. In the book, Desire of Ages, the book, Desire of Ages, points out that it was their mother who planted the idea of being first in their heads. It was their mother who planted the idea of being first in their heads. Here's what Ellen White says. She said, with a mother's love and ambition for her sons, she desired for them to have the most honored position in the new kingdom. And she encouraged them to make the request to Jesus. And so the mother of James and John, who was a follower of Jesus now, this was a follower of Jesus. Remember, she, she was one of the women who followed and ministered to Jesus. Keep that in mind, right? So the mother of James and John, 
had high hopes for her sons. But her ambitions, her ambitions were not in accordance to the will of God. As a matter of fact, she didn't really know what she was asking. She didn't realize that she was actually asking for them to suffer for the cause of Jesus. How many of you want your children to suffer for the cause of Jesus? Let me see you wave your hands. Is this microphone on? How many of you want your children to suffer for the cause of Jesus? Let me see you wave your hands. Why are the kids waving their hands? Are you suffering at home? <laughs> Let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue. Listen, listen. She didn't know what she was really asking. The question is, what, promoted, what, what, what prompted her request? Why did she ask for such a thing? Well, I believe, I believe she loved her son. Like many of us, she, she loved her sons and wanted the best for them. I also believe that she loved Jesus and wanted her sons to be close to him, as close as possible in his new kingdom. And as mothers or as parents in general, we want the best for our children, don't we? Don't we? You can answer that question, don't we? <laughs> No trick. That's not a trick question. We want the best for our children. We want them to be successful in schools, to have the best grades, right? We want them to have uh, successful careers, to be doctors, lawyers, engineers, CEOs, etc., right? We want them to have positions of honor in whatever they decide to do. And like the mother of James and John, we may even encourage them to be the best at what they do, no matter what. We may even encourage them to be number one. I mean, the things that we do, and mind you, we don't realize that we're always teaching our children that their eyes are always fixed on us, right? But, 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 but the fact of the matter is, we encourage them. We encourage them with our behavior. And we're in a society that, you know, it's like being number one is the thing to attain. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Or am I only speaking about myself? Huh? You know, and, and sometimes we do things and our, and our kids are looking and, and watching and, and, you know, all my children drive now, have mercy. You know, my pocket is saying, ouch, right now. <laughs> All of my children drive. And, and, you know, I've noticed the driving habits, especially with my two older sons. My youngest just started driving, so, you know, I have to keep a check on him. <laughs> but, but especially my, my older sons, I noticed their driving habits. Now, I grew up in New York City. Can, can I just put a disclaimer there? I grew up in New York City. You know, I, I said I grew up in New York City. You know, um, if you've been to New York, if you've ever been to the city, Manhattan, you know, if you can drive in Manhattan, you can drive anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I know L.A. is tough. I know Orlando. I know I-4 know is tough, but believe me, if you can drive in New York City, you can handle I-4, you know. And sometimes... I, from looking at my children, I realize that, that, that 
maybe my driving was just a little bit too aggressive. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I noticed they're always seeking to be number one, first in the lane. I mean, I don't know. And, and I don't know. So, sometimes it frustrates me. I'm driving and, and I'm, you know, lanes emerging, right? Lanes emerging. And there's always someone trying to get in front to be the first one in line. And what drives me crazy is, okay, fine, they get in line and they drive like a snail and they just move it. They can't. Because we're always striving to be number one. And oftentimes, the way we're living our lives, our children are watching. We're actually encouraging a behavior that may not be so healthy, a behavior that may not be so pleasing to God. So, 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 so we want them to be number one in all of these things, and, and, and we want them to have positions of honor in whatever they decide to do, right? Be number one. And we teach our children that the idea of first place is the best place, even as pathfinders, even as pathfinders. We strive for first place in PBE, Pathfinder Bible Experience. Any of you guys on the PBE team? Were you first place? Did you try to be first place? <laughs> oh, yes, of course. They said, of course, of course. Uh, we, what, what about the drill team? Anybody on the drill team? Do you have a drill team? Uh, how about a drum corps? Do you have a drum corps? Were you first place in drum corps? <laughs> oh, oh, this, oh they're, they're striving to be first place this year. Uh, uh. We even have, listen, first place Pathfinder clubs. We call them Club of the Year. Are you striving, staff, to be Club of the Year? <laughs> Are you striving, Sister Cheryl, for that? Oh, yes. We, 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 we go all the way, and these are the things that we celebrate. We celebrate all of these achievements. And when they come to church and they tell you that they've, number one, they've been first place, what do you do? You clap your hands. Amen. And I clap my hands too. And there's nothing wrong, I believe, and the Bible, I believe, teaches, there's nothing wrong with striving for high goals or high or great achievements. Even Jesus, or rather, and even with James and John and their mother, you know, they wanted to be by the, or rather at the side of Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. Is there? They wanted to be close to Jesus. But their requests reveal their ignorance and misunderstanding about the characteristics of true greatness in the kingdom of God. You see, they had the wrong motives. And today, today we too are ignorant and have a lack of understanding about true greatness in the kingdom of Jesus, which is already at hand here on earth and the kingdom which is to come. At least that's what I believe. Today, mothers or parents in general, as well as young people, strive for greatness for the wrong reasons, wrong motives. What does being first place mean to you? For some, it means being the best and knowing that you're the best. Having bragging rights, being respected, right? Oh, somebody said yes. <laughs> being admired or even revered, huh? For others, it means being in positions of authority and rulership, being in charge, being 
in control. Now here in this story, things got worse. Things got worse when the other 10 disciples heard what James and John and their mother had done. And we're not told exactly how they found out. They were not there, but they found out they did. You know, people always find out when you go behind their backs, you know. I can imagine that they were so upset, so upset at James and John, they were more upset over the fact that, they, that James and John beat them to the punch. Because you see, they too had the same ambitions. They had the same ambitions. Judas must have been beside himself because he had some big plans. But when Jesus, when Jesus heard all of this, he had a talk with them. And this is what he said, Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. Oh, I see the time. I'm almost finished. <laughs> Jesus, verse 25, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 the New King James Version. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Verse 26, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, the way that Jesus handles this kind of blows my mind. You may not see it. It's a little subtle. But you see, Jesus could have blasted them. He could have blasted them. He could have scolded them. He could have rebuked them for their selfish ambitions. He just told them what was going to happen to him. He just told them that he was about to die, and this is what they come with? He could have put them in their place, but instead he used it as a teaching moment. And this is comforting to me. This is comforting to me because when I look at the lessons that I miss all the time, when I look at the lessons that Jesus is trying to teach me and I'm going in the other direction, this is comforting to me, the way that Jesus handled these disciples. And Jesus knew that they were doing all of this out of ignorance, and he knew that it was because they had no real understanding of the kingdom of God. So he taught them again. And Jesus said that true greatness, being the best from heaven's perspective, it is to be last instead of first. It's striving to serve instead of being served. It's seeking to give instead of seeking to receive. In other words, Jesus says, wait a minute. For us, it's all about being number one, right? Being in charge. Going ahead. Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. Okay, being number one is good, but look at the right, make sure you have the right motives. It's not about striving just to be number one. Are you willing to be last so that someone else could be number one? Huh? Are, are, Are you willing, are you willing to serve somebody instead of being the one to be served? 
Huh? Are you willing not to be on top? Are you willing to help somebody else make it in? Not just focus on getting in yourself. Can we put the, uh, that picture up on the screen? You remember the 2016 Olympics? Somebody said no? Well, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. In the 2016 Olympics, Abby, the, I always mess this name up, the, the Agostino, the Agostino, Abby the Agostino and Nikki Hamblin. A- Abby was the runner from the U.S., Nikki was a runner from New Zealand. These two ladies were competing in the qualifying round for the 5,000 meter, uh, women's 5,000 meter race, right? So they were competing and just over halfway in the race, uh, Abby, was it Abby? Let me check. Just over a- halfway, Nikki, the one from New Zealand, Nikki stumbled and fell. And when she fell, Abby was right behind her. And Abby went down. So the two of them go down while the other runners are running off. Well, the first one that went down, the New Zealand girl, she was just beside herself. She was there crying. Uh, Abby from the U.S., she got right back up. And instead of running ahead to try and finish the race, her first impression was to help Nikki up. She helped Nikki up. And when she, after helping Nikki up, then Abby herself realized that she hurt her ankle and she went down. Now, Nikki had the opportunity to run off. Now, Nikki, instead of running off, decided to help Abby up. And here's what Nikki said. Here's what Nikki said. She said this. She said, listen. She said, Abby helped me first, so I tried to help her. Abby helped me what? Abby helped me first, so I tried to help her. So, so, so for Nikki, being first was to focus on what someone else had done for her first. She focused on what this other girl had done for her and then in turn wanted to do the same. For her, being the best at this race was not about getting across the line, the finish line first, but it was about helping someone else be the best that they could be. So fast forwarding, what happened? Well, they both ended up in last place, but they made it across the finish line, both of them. And the Olympic officials were so moved, they were so touched, they said that this embodied the true spirit of the Olympics. So you know what they did? Anybody remember? Did anybody watch? You remember from this point? I know. Since you know, I'm going to tell you also. They, they, They gave both of them a qualifying time and moved them both to the next race. Both of them moved on. Both of them end up winning. Both of them end up qualifying. Why? Because it was about helping someone else make it across the finish line. Not about getting across the finish line first. Jesus, what Jesus was saying was this. Being first in the kingdom, being the best in the kingdom, 
is realizing that our duty is to help someone else get there as well. That's what it's all about. And as parents, as adults, as counselors, our duty is to help these kids understand that, yes, we want them to strive for their best, strive to be the best, be the best Christian. I want you to graduate from school. I want you to be great at what you do. I want you to use your talents, be the best, but do it all for Jesus and do it with the mentality that you want to help somebody else make it into the kingdom. Amen. Let me end on this. Let me end on this. You need to be proud, Forest Lake, of your pathfinders. Emmanuel is here, right? Raise your hands, Emmanuel. Wave your hands. The Emmanuel Club is here. So listen, put that slide on the screen. In 2017, remember that? Remember 2017? Emmanuel, we had a Pathfinder Day at your church. Do you have a drum corps? But you want to have a drum corps. They don't have a drum corps, but they, they were, the, the, the idea is that they would like to have a drum corps. And what Forest Lake did, the Forest Lake Drum Corps went by to the Emmanuel Church on that, on that Pathfinder Day, right? And after church, what happened? The drum corps went outside and did a little performance. And then they passed their drums over to the Emmanuel Church, Church's Pathfinders. Remember that? Anybody, were, was any of you Pathfinders there? No, not yet. You were there. All right, she remembers. So they passed their drums over to them and started to help them to learn to play the drums. Your Pathfinders. I would have put my hands together for your Pathfinders, but that's just me. I don't know. What were they doing? Helping another club. Helping. Listen. They were not the best. Remember, I asked them if they were number one. <laughs> I asked them if they wanted to be number one, if they were the number one drunk corps. They were not the best, Sister Cheryl, but they, they were willing to use the little talent that they had to help someone else learn and be a part, to help someone else get to where they are, to help them both get to where God wants them to be. And that's what being in first place is all about. With the help of Jesus, with Jesus in our hearts, we're striving to be the best at what we do, but we're the best Christians that we can be, helping someone else to get to where they need to be, to get to the kingdom of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to be first place. I want to be the best. I want to be the best that God wants or God can, or I can be in Jesus. I want to be the best that I could be in Jesus. I want my children, I want your pathfinders, I want our kids to be the best that they can be in Jesus Christ. We need to continue to support them, continue to pray for them. Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he's going to use them for his glory. Pathfinders, you know the law. You know the pledge. What's the pledge? Come on, say it with me. I'll be what? Pure, kind, and true. A servant to God and a friend to men. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Will you continue to pray with me for these pathfinders?
Will you continue to support them, mothers and fathers alike? Is that your desire? I believe we're going to sing a song, and then I'll close with prayer. Shall we stand? Let us stand. desire is to be a servant. Our desire is to see our children serving you. To be first place, we understand the words of Jesus. It's to serve rather than to be served. And so, Father, by our own power, because of our fallen human natures, we could never have the correct motives. But through the power of the indwelling spirit. You can come in and change us and help us to be all that you want us to be. You can help us to be the very best for heaven. And so please, through, that, through the power of your spirit, be with us as parents, be with the mothers, the adults who will influence our children and be with the children themselves and help us to be all that you want us to be. Because we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.